welcome to the Arts Access Florida podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Jackson. Arts Access Florida is a comprehensive initiative designed to shine a spotlight on your neighborhood's diverse arts organizations. Each episode will highlight their programs and more importantly, amplify the voices of the people they impact. Conversations, community, and connections. That is the value in engaging with your local arts organizations. Arts access equals arts access. Support for Arts Access Florida comes from the Community Foundation Tampa Bay. Championing philanthropy, encouraging and connecting givers to bring lasting good, investing in education and economic mobility. Learn more at cftampabay.org. Hi, I'm Malika Hollist, and I will be your guest host for this installment of the Arts Access Florida podcast. First, Brianna Jackson speaks with Alexander from Project Alchemy to learn how his organization provides a platform for aspiring dancers to fine-tune their skills. Then, I am joined by Donovan from Urbanite Theater to discuss their upcoming performance at the wake of a dead drag queen, which helps bring awareness to the LGBTQ continued struggle with diseases like AIDS. Welcome, Alexander. I'm looking forward to hearing more about Project Alchemy. Uh, so what is one thing you would like for everyone to know about your organization? Uh, okay, so uh, Project Alchemy started as a, um, a grad school project for myself um, in 2018. Um, and it's been something that I've always wanted to do. We are an international um, dance company in CP. Uh, and we're working towards making dance more accessible in different ways. So we produce um, outreach programs uh, such as Momentum, um, which is dedicated to propelling artists um, that are rising in the community um, forward so that they can uh, get jobs. <laughs> I mean, that's really, really uh, what I advocate for is more dance jobs for dancers that are you know, really working hard um, either coming out of high school and wanting to jump straight into the field or, you know, pursuing university and then wanting to get into the field. And, you know, I remember when I was going to school, there wasn't, um, there wasn't a lot of options for dance. Um, and so I had to make those options. So showing dancers that like, you can create those options. And that's, that's our, that's our little nonprofit. That's not so little. <laughs> yeah, it's growing. And what I love about it is that you're creating opportunities uh, mm -hmm. for those that are studying the arts and dance. Um, I know personally, I went to a school with a few people that studied dance and a lot of them had a hard time after graduating, really finding their career. So this is great to know that you're um, helping to set them up for success in the, in the dance world. Yeah, that's a, that's something when I, when I, I'm a graduate of USF, um, 2011. Oh, yes, go Bulls. <laughs> and um, I remember graduating, and at the time, everyone was saying, you know, and by everyone, I mean like people from school, people um, that may not 
know a lot about dance or, you know, people who wanted me to be successful in a way, they were like, hey, you need to leave and go somewhere mm-hmm. and like dance. And I was like, I mean, I danced at Disney for 13 years and I, I visited New York. Um, I auditioned for some places out West and I was learning that, you know, besides the cost of living being crazy, mm-hmm. um, I was able to dance here in the Tampa Bay area, in the central Florida area, really. But in the Tampa Bay area, I was able to dance, have an affordable living situation and, you know, still be in my craft and not have to search outside. Now, obviously things have changed since then. You know, we're dealing with pandemic. Mm-hmm. Prices have changed all of that stuff. Um, it is harder for dancers. It's, it's always been hard for dancers, but it's still harder for dancers to, you know, if dance is something that you want to do, have that solely be your thing without having to take something extra. So that's one of the things through this nonprofit that I, that I really want to advocate for. I mean, you know, paying the dancer because our bodies are our craft and, you know, we're working really hard. Um, and also like helping dancers to find ways to, you know, put yourself out there so that people can see and know what you're doing. What I love about what you do is that you've mentioned, you know, a lot of dance um, artists have to leave Tampa and um, you're creating a space where they don't have to leave. They can uh, start here and grow here. And maybe hopefully in the future, people are coming to Tampa for dance, you know, instead of <laughs> those leaving. So I think that's wonderful um, what you're doing. Yeah, it's a, that's a, that's huge. So it's, it's actually one of the reasons why I started our Momentum Choreographer Showcase coming. And that came, that's like the end product of a five month long member or mentorship that we do ahead of that. Um, so what that, that mentorship process starts in January mm-hmm. and we do a call to artists. So, and that demographic is usually, um, anybody really interested in being mentored, <laughs> um, baseline, right? Um, and then above that, it's I'm I'm looking at high school students. I'm looking at uh, college students. I'm looking at working artists who who want a sounding board. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for five months, we literally talk and we chat and we talk about you know what's what are you doing? What are you creating? How are you making your work? Mm-hmm. What interests you? Um, what interests you outside of what you're doing? Oh. Um, so um, like outside of movement, um, my one of my uh, mentors from grad school, um, Doug Elkins, he had me do an assignment where he was like, I just want you to find some things that interests you. And so I remember picking like Sailor Moon and um, the beginning of Cowboy Bebop, the anime, and <laughs> um, another... Um, a Vietnamese uh, dancing group. And I was interested in the dancing group for their for their precision. It was hip hop. Um, really, really enjoyed the precision and how they were able to craft a work and tell a story about mental health. Mm. Um, but how they incorporated so many different choreographic devices. And that was interesting. But then I was also interested in the choreographic devices that the artists, the visual artists use in Sailor Moon transformations because you don't realize how technical that is until okay. you go back and you watch and you're like, oh, she like did a passe and a developing, age, did this, <laughs> she did that. And she's doing it while spinning around. You know what I mean? Right. And then um, uh, the, 
Cowboy Bebop, the opening scene for that, so visual. And like, if you mention Cowboy Bebop, and for those who know, they, they can immediately see the color silhouettes, which I'm really into. I'm interested in light play with dance. Um, and then how quick those shots go. And so one of the things that I try to do, which may be an impossible task, is make works that are somewhat cin cinematic for the eye in a way somehow, um, so that you, so that it is almost like watching an anime cover, but it's not because you're watching dance and it's impossible because obviously it's not 2D um, and it's not the same medium or editing or anything like that. But those are some of the things that I'm interested in and then seeing that play into my work. So I asked that of the artists that I'm working with. This is our third year doing this um, mentorship, third year of the showcase. And we're at four artists that we're able to produce, um, which is super exciting. Um, in, in the past, we've, um, we've done a movable show. Um, that's one of the things that I love about the showcase is that I, I'm mentoring these artists so I know about their pieces, but I don't see their piece until the day before the show. Mm -hmm. So, which to some people who are programming a show, they might be like, that is insane. But one of the cool things is seeing it during tech being mounted on like in the spaces. And then I go, oh, this is what the order should be based on what you're doing. Right. I remember the first year, I was like, this should be something that's walkable, that the pieces happened inside and outside of 620. Um, and it was... It was an awesome time. We had very limited seating. And we were kind of encouraging people not to sit um, so that you could watch the piece and then walk to the next location, watch the piece. It was very site specific in that way. And then the next year um, we had three new artists and COVID hit. I wanna keep everybody safe. So let's figure out a virtual option to do. There was something about being in a space and being able to interact with art that I still wanted people to be able to do safely mask wearing, socially distant, spread out, ventilated room, all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't want the dancers to be in a dangerous situation nor you know, guests coming in to watch. So then I was like, what if we did this as a bodyless exhibit? Oh, bodyless, so like, interesting. So they were like, well, what's bodyless? Like dances involve bodies. And I was like, well, okay, what if we actually take the body away? Mm -hmm. So now there's no, your body is not in the space but you're still presenting it. So they made installations where they projected their bodies, they put their bodies on screens, they put their bodies embedded in QR codes. So you're still seeing the body, but you're seeing the body through a device or through a projected device or something else. A April New City, she used, she filled the Ellis Gallery with QR coding all over the walls, like wallpaper. You had to scan the QR codes around the room. And then some of those scans would tell you to do things. Having just little odds and ends in the space, you're actually the dancer through you interacting with the QR codes. It's making you dance her piece. Okay. With her. I see the connection there. Yes. And so then you become a part of the dance. Loved every bit of this. Project Alchemy is holding um, an upcoming event called mm -hmm. Mixed, and it looks like it'll be taking place November 6th and 7th. So what can our listeners look forward to for this Mixed event? So Mixed is exciting. I am the choreographer for most everything we do, but I have a room full of 
awesome artists. So I was like, I want to give them a chance to make work. So um, one of our newest artists, um, Isofia Higgins-Wilkins, also a USF Bull, <laughs> um, is, uh, we graduated school together. She's making work. And um, Sarah Hamilton, who's a recent grad of USF and our company manager is also making work um, for this show. And um, they're still in process. So their works are, are coming. I know that Sophia is playing with relationships, um, people coming and going in and out of your life. Um, and then I'm presenting three to four in-processed experiments. So they're not fully fleshed out. They are not, um, they're still in development. And I'm playing with different modalities. I'm playing with lip syncing. I'm playing with relationships uh, in a polyamorous sense. Mm -hmm. um, I'm playing with, um, I'm playing with black girl magic and also this idea of birth and death and what that means. I'm playing with what is it like to have a conversation and, and what is it, uh, what is deep listening, but what is deep listening if you only had to move and you couldn't speak? I love the variety and the diversity and what you're portraying. <laughs> so, that is, I, I love it. <laughs> and mixed, and the idea of mixed yeah. came from um, growing up with mixed CDs <laughs> okay. and making playlists. And so I was like, oh, well, you know, it's a mixed rep show, but what if I didn't call it a mixed rep show? What if I just called it mixed? Mixed. And what if we made it like a mixtape? So the ideas don't necessarily have to connect. They're just the things that you're vibing with now. Well, the, the title definitely, um, it's it connects directly to what you're providing to the audience. And that's, that's an awesome connection. And I love how mixed is capitalized M-I-X <laughs> and an E-D. Um, it really um, pushes what they're going to see. Um, one more question for you. Um, for anybody who wants to get involved with Project Alchemy, what is the best way to do so? How can they get involved? So one of the best ways, visit our website, um, obviously projectalchemy.dance, www.projectalchemy.dance. Check out our Instagram at projectalchemydance. Come take community class with us. I teach every so often, but then we bring in people from the community. Um, Andy Scott, um, Bliss Kohlmeyer, um, Robert Kelly, Louis Torres, who was also a Momentum artist, Daisha King. That's wonderful. And also um, I noticed that you mentioned there's no auditions, um, which I'm sure it takes the pressure off. Um, but that just makes me think of how you're making this so accessible to the community, which is great. Again, I come from, I've, I've danced with Disney for 13 years and where that was a great process, like those 30 seconds of dancing for your life. But I don't know if that's the skill that I'm looking for right. when I'm working, because for me, the process keeps going even after the last bow of our last show. Alexander, just thank you so much for your time and speaking with me today. Uh, yes. Between yes. your classes, your mentorship and all your upcoming events, I can really tell that your organization is truly working to engage the communities through art. And it's something we all need right now. <laughs> so thank you for all that you're doing and uh, we'll be keeping up with you. Yes, awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for having me.
Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, would you mind sharing with us a little bit about who you are and your experience as an actor? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, well, my name is Donovan Sessionen. I am an actor out of Chicago, where I currently live. I've lived there for about, oh geez, four years as of September 30th. <laughs> and it's felt a lot longer, honestly, <laughs> provided COVID and things. But I've lived out, uh, lived there for about four years and currently here in beautiful Sarasota uh, doing a show with Urbanite Theater uh, at the Wake of a Dead Drag Queen. So. Okay, and so how did you get involved with Urbanite Theater? Oof, so I, I was recommended, I believe, uh, Brendan, the artistic director, um, reached out to me via email and was like, hey, I'm holding auditions for the show and I would uh, love for you to be, uh, be a part of the process. And Paul Michael Thompson, who was a part of the Chicago production of At the Wake of a Dead Drag Queen, uh, is the person who recommended me for the part. And then I would say like maybe a week later, um, one of my agents emailed me and was like, hey, so like we have this audition and we thought that you may be really good for it. And I was like, oh, honey, they already reached out. And they were like, oh, great, great. <laughs> so um, that's kind of how like that whole thing came to be. But I was asked actually to be an understudy for the original production in Chicago. And I couldn't do it for, for whatever reason. But I remember I had a free weekend to go and see the show. And the second that it began, I was just like, oh, I want to do this part so badly. Um, so the second that I was reached out, I was like, yes, absolutely. I will do the audition. Let's go. <laughs> Amazing. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. So so let's talk a little bit more about the project um, at the wake of a dead drag queen. It's a production written by Terry Guest, who was the 2018 recipient of the Outfront Theater Spectrum Series grant. Can you explain to our audience what this play is about and how it came to be? Absolutely. So this play follows the life of Courtney Behringers, who is a Black queer drag queen from Albany, Georgia. And they, at the very beginning of the show, you find out that they have passed away from, um, from AIDS. And this is essentially the story of like the final two years or so of their life and how they essentially transform from someone who was very like closed off, very protected, very like rude. Um, but for, for all the best of reasons and in the most fabulous of ways. Um, but they end up becoming friends with Vicky, Vicky Versailles, who plays a plethora of other characters in the story as well. Um, and it follows the, their friendship and their love life and the nitty gritty of feeling like your world is coming to an end and, you know, death is staring you right in the face, but how you still choose to like live a life during that time, but also how difficult that could be at the exact same time. It's a very, very beautiful story about life and the celebration of queer Black lives that have been lost due to this terrible disease that still affects like at least 50% of 
the queer Black community. And so how do we find a way to celebrate and live like the best that we can in amongst a tragedy? I'm really excited about the story. I think it's a really important one to be told. Courtney Barringer, she's one of those many Black individuals, like you said, um, within the LGBTQ plus community who have suffered through a disease like AIDS. These, I think these stories are really important and they should be told so everyone can have a better understanding of what it's like to go through something like this. Why do you think Courtney's story specifically um, is so important to be heard? I believe Terry wrote Courtney based off of one of his close relatives as well. So this story is kind of like, first and foremost, an honor and a bow to them. And secondly, for it to come specifically from Courtney's point of view and from its lens, you get to see how it affects people at such a young age. Um, I don't think people really take into consideration a lot of the times when they think of people who passed away from HIV and AIDS that most of them were young, like really, really young men and, and women who passed away from this terrible disease. I think we sometimes think that they were like in their 40s or 50s. Like, no, a lot of them passed away when they were 19, 20 to 23 years old. And so for it to affect Courtney at such a young age, you get to really, really see how urgent and how messy it is to live a life that you feel like is rapidly being drawn away from you for no reason and because of the lack of uh, healthcare that they also have and resources in order to get better. It's a wake up call, honestly, for a lot of people to be like, this is still happening and it's happening to people that are younger than you think. AIDS is still affecting many um, who are in marginalized communities. And Urbanite Theater is committed to not only telling these stories, but being a voice in the community as well. What, what do you hope that the audience will take away from this? Oh, that's a great question. You know, my personal mantra is to create theater that matters. Let's tell stories that matter. And I think that this is definitely a story that still is relevant to uh, society today. I mean, AIDS is still a huge problem within the LGBTQIA community. And granted the advocacy for it and the uh, medicine has advanced to the point to where it is no longer a disease that can kill you a lot of the times, but it is still something that affects people of a specific marginalized community. Um, and it's those people that we need to pay attention to and those people that we need to turn the lens on and reach out off and offer help to them. Um, because I feel like we've kind of abandoned them for a, a lack of a better term and have kind of turned the lens or turned our backs away from them. 
and said like, oh, it's no longer an issue. Like we have PrEP now and Truvada and all this medicine to like prevent it. But it's like a lot of people still don't have access to that. So how can we be better advocates for those specific communities? And how can we uh, ultimately reach out to them and help them and cater to their needs the best way that we can? So to change gears a little bit, but still talk about community, um, as a production gets closer to its premiere, all the cast and crew, I'm assuming you guys have formed some really amazing, strong bonds. What, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What has that been like? And what has it been like engaging with people from different backgrounds and different experiences? Uh, it's been an absolute dream come true with this team specifically. Um, I mean, we haven't been able to be in a theatrical space for the last like year and a half, two years. So I think everyone is just ultimately very, very grateful to be there. But also like my castmate, Shay Peterson is absolutely fantastic to work with. He's also a Chicago actor too, but we didn't really know each other until we started to work on the show together. Um, and so they've kind of been like my drag sister in this whole time. <laughs> um, and we say all the time that we basically feel like we're a part of a miniature version of RuPaul's Drag Race. We're huge fans of the show. We've been able to kind of like romanticize the whole situation in order for it to not completely overwhelm us. But um, we've been able to play with uh, costumes. Our costume de designer, David Kovach, is absolutely fantastic and they have brought about the most amazing gowns and um revealed like the big like quick reveals and there's going to be a bunch of unnecessary costume changes as Courtney would love to say. Finally got to work with uh Daphne Ferraro who is this amazing drag queen out in Tampa and St. Petersburg um, and she came to Sarasota and basically like helped us paint our faces and we got to just dab and makeup. Oh, our first day here, we got like into the airport and the second that we were picked up, we were taken off to the mall to basically just buy makeup. It was like a girl's and a gay man's dream come true. They were right. basically here you go, like pick your colors, pick your palette, pick your lipstick and didn't have to like pay a dime for it. And we're just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> like, thank you. Um, but they're like, yeah, we're gonna have to learn your makeup. So we finally, finally got to play with that because our fingers had been itching the whole week to like just put on some lipstick, you know? And Daphne like uh, showed us the ropes and we've all just really been collaborating together and our director, Damien, has really created like the safest of spaces for us to truly explore the like depths of these characters because you, we are telling the story where you experience extreme bouts of joy, but also extreme bouts of sadness. So you have to have this space, a, a safe enough space as an actor to really explore the messiness of that, of all of that. And Damien has been just the biggest advocate and the biggest, you know, hero when it comes to just try it, just like throw paint up against the wall and let's see, let's see what happens. Um, while also remaining incredibly structured and diligent in regards to like what we'll be doing that day. So we don't get like completely overwhelmed. So it's been a very phenomenal 
time and a dream come true, honestly. And to be able to tell such a phenomenal story on top of it was just a, was really just the cherry on top. Wow. This production is a perfect example of how organizations like Urbanite Theater can provide a voice to marginalized communities. Uh, before we close out our interview today, um, is there anything else, Donovan, you would like our listeners to know about? Yeah, so when you come to see the show, make sure you bring your tips and your dollar bills because there is going to be a drag show like within the show. So there's going to be an opportunity to tip the queens and all of the money that is received as tips from the drag queens will be donated to the local um, LGBTQ center here in Sarasota. Ooh, oh my gosh, that sounds so fun. <laughs> I'm very excited. And I believe that money is going to be going towards HIV and AIDS research. Um, so it'll it'll all be directed to exactly what the story is telling about. So bring your dollar bills, y'all. How fun was Donovan? He just seems like the perfect person to bring the character of Courtney to life. Urbanite Theater's production of At the Wake of a Dread Drag Queen will be coming your way soon. And after this chat, it sounds like it's going to be an amazing show. Change is a step-by-step process, and I am so happy that our local arts groups can advocate and lift the voices for these communities who are less heard, like the LGBTQ community. Giving you knowledge and being entertained? What a perfect combo. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and don't forget to check out the show. It has been a pleasure to bring you these stories today. And be sure to visit our show notes to learn more about Project Alchemy and Urbanite Theater. You have been listening to the Arts Access Florida podcast. This show is a product of WUSF Public Media with the help of our sponsors, the Community Foundation, Tampa Bay, and Go Beyond Foundation. Our show is produced by Malika Hollis, Aliyah Moffitt, Chandler Balcom, and Leslie Laney. A special thanks to our editor, Scott Walkler, and our entire engineering team. You can find out more information, performances, and other content that our local arts groups are creating by following us on Facebook or Instagram and visiting our website, artsaccessflorida.org. That's arts, A-X-I-S-F-L.org. Copyright 2021 WUSF Public Media.